the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 4. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hi, Tammy. Hey, Sandra. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, good, good. How are you? I am okay. I'm actually having a lovely morning. Um, to my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a mixed bag, so yeah, oh, share. Do share. I'm having some tea, so if I'm sipping, it's going to be a little bit of tea here. But yeah, what, what's going and I on? Just drink a, and I just drink a smoothie, so if I'm clearing my throat, it's because I have smoothie throat. It's because we're professionals. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Sipping mm-hmm. and clearing of throats. Mm-hmm. Um, well... Okay. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I was thinking about whether I was going to go here or not, but you know what? I'm just going to go there because, um, you know, like recovery, I don't think, um, these things are talked about that much. And so I'm going to talk about it for just a second because this isn't really a podcast about being an aging female, (laughs) (laughs) but yet, Mm -hmm. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. And, you know, I have been trying to pull – I've actually been interviewing friends is what I've been doing um, to get information about what it's like to be a woman in your late 40s. And by that I mean I have just been completely hijacked by hormones. Mm. I mean completely. And – I don't know why it's not a subject that's broached very much. Broached? Did I just use that word correctly? Okay, anyway. I think you did. did. Approached very much. (laughs) Um, Because it alludes to aging, and we don't like to talk about that, I think, even though that's all where we're headed, if we're lucky. (laughs) Right. Right? And um, I've just been, like I said, I've just been completely hijacked by hormones lately. And it feels like a very Jekyll and Hyde situation uh, experience like I used to experience when I was drinking, where my moods were uh, very unpredictable. And I could go from elated to a complete and utter bitch um, (laughs) in just a matter of minutes. And it's, it's out of the blue and it feels like it's out of my control. And, um, so I had some, I've had some severe, uh, I don't, uh, experiences <laughs> with this feeling, <laughs> uh, over the last week, uh, you know, it's not every day. Mornings are better. Mornings are pretty good, but, um, it usually hits me about, at, you know, around five o'clock, the old happy hour time. And, um, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a, an acute sensation. It's hard, hard to describe. I, it, it actually, here's the divine comedy of it all. It feels sort of like it felt when I was pregnant last and, and it, which seems like a minute ago, but it was really about nine years ago. Um, so I still, that memory's pretty fresh still what it felt like to be pregnant at almost 40. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like. And, um, but you know, I think when, I think when we used to seek comfort, we, we used alcohol to comfort ourselves. And, um, and now that that's not an option, um, I still am seeking comfort, <laughs> right. you know, like, I, or just acknowledgement, validation, but comfort is a good, uh, a good place to 
start. And um, so this weekend was Easter. And um, first of all, my Easter's look totally different than they had looked in the past, I don't know, 10 years or so. I'm sure. were pretty boozy before I quit drinking. And, um, but yesterday I spent Easter with uh, my mom and my mother-in-law, but I just could not wait to see my mom. It was like I wanted, I just like sat uh, down and cried, told her all, all about it. And yeah. Now she's worried about me, which is what I kind of wanted. I guess. <laughs> right. I wanted, somebody, I wanted some comfort and I wanted somebody to worry about me. And I, yeah. wanted, to, I wanted it to not feel like it was so much a fabrication or something in my head. You and, wanted to be um, mothered. I did. Mm-hmm. Oh God, sometimes you just need your mama. Yeah. And um so anyway, that that was my that was my weekend. <laughs> that was the cap of so, my week, really. So you did you find I'm just curious. So so you found some comfort with your mom, but did you find comfort before that, before you saw your mom, or as these feelings keep coming up every day? Cause No, no. No. I, I don't I don't have any answers. So mm. if you have any I guess I'm not asking. Yeah, I am asking for advice. <laughs> I don't know if I have I any, but I'm going to keep that. What I wish for, but right. Uh, yeah, I'm putting out. It, I'm putting this out into the ether. Like I said, I have, I have interviewed some of my friends that are my age, a little bit older than me, that are probably a little far advanced in this, um, you know, perimenopausal menopausal journey that I guess I'm heading towards. Yeah, but. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of answers out there, really. Well, no one talks about it, or not, or, or, or not in my circles. It openly. Yeah. Nobody talks about it openly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm having a yeah a hell of a hormone surge. I need to feel like I need to find a cave to live in for the next five years. <laughs> but nobody talks about it, you know. So yeah. anyway, well, I'm I seem talking about it a lot. I well, may sound like a record, but. That's what you're going through. Yeah. That's what yeah, you're going yeah. through. We get to talk about whatever we want. Yeah, that's true. I sent you that link to that book, The Mad Woman in the Volvo by yeah. Sandra Lowe. And that was the first book I had read. And it was um, and kind of, a, yeah, enlightening and illuminating. And I'm not there quite yet, but I'm sure I'm right behind you. And I thought I, you know, that's why I went and saw the doctor when I did, when I got that physical a few years ago, I was thinking that I was going through the change and he was like, nope. Um, but that mad woman in the Volvo is just talking about all of these things. And basically her frustration was saying, how come no one in our society is talking about this? How come women, how come we're not helping each other out? And I'm sure women are, but not in my circles, not yet. And maybe it's something we have to do together. So yeah, talk about it here. And it feels like a double blow because, you know, when I was finally reaching some clarity after, you know, taking, removing the alcohol from my life, um, you know, it didn't last very long. (laughs) I want that back. (laughs) Now I'm back to living in the mist. Well, you know, the difference now too. So you're probably looking at it a little differently too and knowing that you know the difference. I can yeah. tell the difference day by day. Like, for instance, this morning I went for a run. I know if I'm feeling, if my head is clear, I, I just don't really even have the words to describe it. But I know if I'm feeling some clarity when I'm out for a run, I write on my run. Like, I have to stop and take notes on really? my phone. <laughs> you are the queen. Well, you are a woman. You are a multitasker. So, yes, I... <laughs> Why does that, that doesn't sound ridiculous to me? I'm like, oh, maybe I should try that. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> Do one more thing while I'm on my run. Incessantly <laughs> on my run. But that's only when I'm, you know, when I'm feeling, when I have energy and my head feels clear. And it's just not, lately, it's just not been, it's not been every day. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Well, us getting a little bit older here and talking about it out loud uh, I got, I received uh, my new prescription glasses in the mail last week mm-hmm. that I am apparently refusing to wear um, because they are progressives. Oh. And for me, <laughs> I like got the cute glasses, I ordered them, the, got the whole thing, went and did the appointment. 
ordered them online from Warby Parker because I love them. Um, and no, they're not sponsoring the show, but yes, I wish they were. But so they're sitting on my desk, like waiting for me to really say, hmm, I need to wear progressives now. Embrace the progressive. <laughs> How stupid is that? of progressives. <laughs> I am slowly going to progress into wearing progressives. <laughs> so I understand is what I'm saying. And I don't have any answers for you. So <laughs> well, how was your week? <laughs> Besides the denial, um, it was it was good. It was a mixed bag. It was so much can happen, right, in a week. And I just been trying this new workflow thing for me and it worked awesome for two weeks. But today is Monday and I do not have the the structure or the bandwidth quite yet to structure the week. And I and I think that's really important to plan it out, to be prepared. And we were out of town this weekend, and now my husband's gone this week. So I know the week's going to be a little wonky. And mm-hmm. I know it would serve me to stick to that schedule that I've done the last two weeks because it felt really good. But there's another part of me that's like, I don't really want to. So, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but I did do something fun over the weekend that I wanted to share. I went to a really beautiful exhibit at um, MoMA that was Matisse and Diebenkorn. And Deben, Richard Diebenkorn is um, California artist, and he, uh, Matisse. Not familiar. Oh my god! I know Matisse, but I'm in love I'm with not his work. With oh, so good. He did a lot of. I went and saw his sketchbook exhibit at the Cantor Museum um, at Stanford last summer, and fell in love with his sketchbooks and his gesture drawings. And um, I didn't know a whole lot about him either. And so we went to this exhibit with my son, and it was Matisse greatly influenced Diebenkorn, and I was. As I was going there, I'm like, I don't really see it. Diebenkorn's a very modern um, paintings and color palette, I thought, that was all of his own. But when you see these Matisses next to the Diebenkorns, they're like, you totally see the influence. You totally see how Matisse's color palette, Diebenkorn interpreted the paintings differently, but totally riffed on his color palette in every painting. You can well, see now it. this is the completely. I'm going to interrupt you for a yeah. second, but this is completely the still like an artist thing, and we'll bring yeah. that up, bring this up later. Mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. exactly what he was talking about. Those are the threads. I have a couple of things to chat about that, and yes, mm-hmm. so that exhibit just kind of blew my mind yesterday. I went and saw it with my son, who was less than thrilled to go to the museum on <laughs> Sunday with his mother. Um, so that was awesome beforehand. He got there, and then once we got there, it was fine and was fun. Um, it was so packed with people that my anxiety was like, what did I just sign up for? But we powered through. I don't stay long at museums, even though I love them. I can't do more than two hours. I'm tapped out after two. That's like my max. Oh, yeah, two hours. That's a, Yeah, I guess if there's a lot to see, but yeah, I get that. Yeah, so we can talk more about this as we progress through the show, but it was just so beautiful, and I have to paint a landscape this week in my oil painting class. And before I went into the weekend, I knew that I was drawn to Diebenkorn's um, kind of modern blocks of color for a landscape. He doesn't, it's not a realist kind of photorealist right. painting. It's more of just an interpretation of color and, and squares mm-hmm. and triangles, which spoke to me. And so going to see them and getting to get up really close and seeing the thin layers and, the, and his brush strokes, it was really inspiring. So I came home last night and did a study um, of this view from my Actually, where I'm sitting right now is I did a study of the landscape. And so I'm just really excited this week. And that got me. I haven't been super excited in my oil painting class. It's been more intimidating. But I've turned a corner somehow. And I think finding the right artist to inspire me was really important. So we can talk about that's, that too. Yep. That's very cool. Yes, it does kind of. It's a nice segue into what we're going to talk about today. And that is the topic that I hear so often um, in recovery circles and groups that I'm in is that I hear people say that, you know, wait, I'm, I'm not creative, though. I don't think I'm creative. And so we're going to talk about ways to get started in yeah. that direction. Yeah, give ourselves permission to to make and create and call ourselves artists or writers or whatever that title may be. I think that's what we were going to chat about today. Right, right. So obviously when we, you know, when we remove alcohol from our lives, there's just a, not just a, a void um, as a metaphor, but there's an actual 
time to fill up. <laughs> yeah, right? a lot of time. A lot of time to fill. And <laughs> well, depending on your level of how much you were drinking, but for me, there was a lot of time that I went into drinking. Of, I had a lot of time to fill. Yeah. yeah, and I had to. I mean, luckily, I had things that I could return to. Um, so I feel very lucky in that respect. But um, like I said, I hear so many women, especially who so I talk to, um, say that they they don't know quite what to do or how to get started, or give themselves permission um, to do something creative, even though they've never tried it, or they don't think they're good at it, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, f I feel like that's like a, a that self-talk that we, when does that start, right? Like that started mm -hmm. really early for me. You know, you, right. you make and you create when you're young and you see this in young artists all the time. You know, they just make, they go through all mm -hmm. the paper. They use all the good supplies. They just go Oh yeah. Uh -huh. until, until they start, you know, that's like what I'm seeing with my son where they stop themselves and they worry what other people think and they start not my, I'm not, I'm not an artist. I'm not, yeah, I don't do that. When people ask my son about it, he's had solo art shows. He's done incredible things. Great teachers. People ask him now, he's like, yeah, I don't really make art anymore. And it mm. crushes my heart. But when right. does that, ha do that happen right around then? Like teenagerdom? Yeah. I don't know. Do you think he stopped because he got uninterested? Or do you think he stopped because he, you know, com as compare and despair? Like all, like many of us do. Uh, maybe part of it's just to, he knows how much joy it brings me, I think, right now. And how happy <laughs> it makes me. <laughs> and it's going to, he's not going to do the thing. To, oh, right. to that I like right now because he's right. almost 14 but he did a Chuck Close painting for his father for Christmas that I helped um, show him how to do that was the beginning of the end and when he was done with that he said I don't want to make art I don't want to paint anymore and mm -hmm. I just went okay <laughs> I went and silently sobbed in my studio and and Steve was like, don't make a big deal, my husband. Don't make a big deal. He'll come back to it. But I think it's around that time, right? Like 12, 13, 14, you're looking at yourselves. You're wondering what your friends think. Are you starting doubting yourself even? Right, yeah. And we could only I could only return to the thing that I really want to do, which is draw now. After all of these years, I don't want him to have to wait all of those years. I want to, I, I want to. For anybody that's kind of waiting, what are you, what are you waiting for? Right. I know. I often ask women, you know, that feel that, that are asking those questions, like, what, what do I do? Where do I start? I ask them, you know, what brought you joy as a kid? Mm -hmm. Um, because you can think back to at least one or two creative things that brought you joy as a kid. I mean, thank God for this, the coloring book resurgence, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I have so many friends that that's what they do now is they color. <laughs> I do too. Books. I do too. My mom bought me, um, those and I, and my best friend Casey bought me one and I, and I love if other people love them, that's great. They don't do it for me, which is funny because I like to draw and I like to color, but I, the control freak in me only wants to draw what I want to draw and only right. wants to color the shape that I made. I don't want to color what somebody else made. So but you can see how mm -hmm. just them being available, totally. you know, are, I mean, just what a, what a beautiful thing. You yeah. can go to, I mean, they're at the checkout, they're in the checkout, um, they're in my checkout lines in the grocery store now. You can pick one up right before you, while you're picking up your gum and stuff. And I think it's that that serves a couple of purposes because you're, yeah, you're creative. You're getting out of your head, and it's like meditation. Mm -hmm. It's like they, a meditative oh. act of coloring those little circles or squares or whatever the shape is. It's um, total meditation. Right. I can I, see why I, people yeah. like it. Yeah, I mean the act of making anything, anything takes you out of your head. Yeah. And um, I really think so. I think it, the act of doing or making anything with your hands um, can is can put you in a sort of meditative state, which, you know, only leads to contentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of problem solving happened for me when I would do that. Like I've shared, sitting at the kitchen table and drawing every day, that... I solved problems. I 
plotted a plan. I decided what I was going to do that day or how I was going to do something differently. Like just that little pocket of time that you carve out and and carving out time for art in any part of your day, I think is, is helpful. But yeah, giving yourself the permission to say, I'm going to carve out this time even. Right. Giving yourself permission and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. Too, you know. Because like to what end? What what is this going to serve? It's kind of, it seems silly at first. I imagine if someone hasn't been making art their whole lives and they're just like, oh, this seems indulgent or. Exactly. uh, What's the, what's the goal? I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. I didn't think Mm -hmm. about that too much when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I will share, you mentioned it a little earlier, but the book that gave me permission to start making art, there's a few that I'll share throughout the podcast here, but the, the major one is Austin Kleon's Steal Like an Artist. And when it's a little tiny book, little square book, really um, easy to carry around. You could read it in one sitting. Um, but I read it over the course of time and go back to it because it's so simple and clear and direct. But basically, the concept is that, you know, no, nothing is original. Right. Nothing. We are inspired by everything around us. There's nothing original. There's no original art. Now, you can make original art, but the ideas or thoughts or colors, it's all been done and thought of before, and it's just how you riff on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Your interpretation is mm-hmm. always going to be original of anything. Yeah. And, and me... Um, I have several people that I admire and follow and love their art. And after seeing that exhibit this weekend and seeing how 50 years after Matisse had done some of these paintings and then, and then Richard Diebenkorn goes in and looks at that painting and mixes up a really beautiful mustard yellow that I love or an oak or an ochre. He, he takes the same color, similar, um, setup kind of, um, composition and then he reinterprets it and of course mm-hmm. it's not it's not a matisse it's not it doesn't look it's not a direct copy no but completely inspired by when you see them side by side the exhibit is just stunning so yeah seeing those two artists together matisse and Diebenkorn, gave me permission i guess to come home i went out and got a study um got a blank canvas used some oil pastels that I've never used before to draw and then I painted in roughly and tried to make some marks like he did and I did not feel guilty about that (laughs) I felt inspired yeah exactly exactly and really too I heard this on a podcast or something and I can't reference it because I listen to so many um that I lose track but somebody I listened to something that's and somebody said um you know, don't compare your first attempts to other people's, you know, finished products. Um, yeah, because that's just, you're, it's not fair to yourself. And I think a lot of people do that. It's what keeps them from getting started. Yeah. It's intimidating, right? And you, and I I also don't want to steal from anybody. You don't want to like, Oh, they're like, I can't do that because they did that. And they'll think I'm copying them. Well, right. And you know, when you're really copying somebody Mm -hmm. or something, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know how that feels. It feels icky, but at the same time, if you're just copying to, um, to get better at your own style, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's when, so I admire Lisa Congdon. So I decided to take a workshop from her in San Francisco and she talks about attribution and she talks about giving. So one of her um, biggest influences is an artist named Myra Coleman, who I really love as well. And Lisa Congdon is inspired by her and you can see the similarities in their work. And so she says, then you just say, you write a blog post about it and you attribute that person saying, you know, I was riffing on this. mm, Yeah. I was really inspired by this person. And And so I gave it a try. Right. Right. And I guess that's a difference between whether you're presenting your things on social media, but if you're just doing them in the privacy of your, of your own home, Mm -hmm. in your living room with your, with your colored pencils spread out all over the floor and your big pads of paper copy away you know yeah it's a it's a great way to get started 
Yeah, I took a class of Lisa's as well online that she teaches with Creative Bug. And it was like an introduction to drawing class. And she talks about all that there. Like, you're copying what she's doing. She's teaching you how to draw flowers like she draws flowers. That is the class. So, of course, it's going to be like that. And then they had a hashtag. Like, now you go take that and go riff on it. And go do it in your color palette that you like to use. Or uh, maybe you like really exaggerated huge ones. And you're going to take days to fill them in. You're taking... her style, but you're reinterpreting it. Right. And she was a big proponent of that. And so in the beginning, I used to attribute everything like, oh, inspired by Lisa Kong, you know, I love Lisa Kong. And after a while, I just started making my own marks and making them on my own way that I like to make them. And I didn't feel like I had to attribute her anymore because I'm definitely influenced by her, but I do not want to copy her. I don't want to make art exactly like she makes it. But it, it got me out of my head and it gave me permission. She gave me permission herself but in that workshop mm-hmm. to say literally gave go permission. do it and now if you're stealing someone's work that's totally different it's different and it feels different you know how that yeah you know how that feels um I love the saying that uh that you hear when you're in recovery is that um sobriety delivers what alcohol promised mm, yeah don't you love that it's so true we get yeah, to deliver on all of it Right. You get to finally be that person that you wanted to be when you were drinking. <laughs> that person that I always, you know, longed to be when I was drinking, I get to be that person. It's funny because I never, of course, you can't think about that when you're in it. can only kind of glean all of that now that we're out of it. But that, yeah, there was, there was the, the quiet, not so quiet sometimes voice inside wanting more. Mm-hmm. Wanting to write more, wanting to figure some stuff out wanting to make things I I constantly had it all jumbled up in my head never the output never the courage to put it out there right and now I don't know that it's courage it's just that I have clarity and perspective now to think why not yeah oh right yeah I mean I also have like I can't not do it now like it literally pulls I mean it it I keep using the word literally, but it, it pulls me. It it feels like a a physical pull, pulling sensation that, you know, I have to do it. Um, uh, one of the other things I love, um, that I take from that phrase too, is, um, the, uh, our, our, um, creative collaborations like this one and others that we've done together and, you know, our art exchange and other, any, all, any and all creative collaborations. That is something that I longed for and I attempted even when I was drinking, but could never see those to fruition. Lots of great ideas on collaborations, but could never see anything to fruition. Never made it past to the, past the, you know idea stage yeah it's almost like a fantasy land right when we're drinking and coming up with these really awesome (laughs) ideas fantasy land that sounds so good we should do that and then you wake up late the next morning and you're scrambling for the day and then yeah no and then it just completely goes away I know it was fun to live there it's like it was like a little portal you go into (laughs) right there's that little, uh-huh. I mean, you can, some people, I think when we talked about that Hemingway effect, it was like, you could have that thinking that was magic, but right. it's got to come out of the portal. It's, it can't just go in there and disappear. You have to like, you have to take the journey. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you have to actually take the journey. The next morning we just shut the door on the portal, portal, like, oh, I'll revisit that later tonight um, yeah. and do nothing about it. Yeah. yeah. No, I wake up just excited to start the day and to get making and what am I going to create? And even on my calendar, I wrote, which I know you're going to laugh at, but on Wednesdays is my make art and write like a mother effort day. And I put that on my calendar in my studio, like just focus all day on these two things because I was multitasking so much that for me and my personality, I wasn't getting anything much done. You know, I get a little bit done and that felt like a lot compared to what I used to do. But sure. recently, since I'm a couple years into sobriety, I'm like, no, I need to focus now. I need to right. really need to use my time because I want 
to actually finish something and I am proud of it and I want to move on to the next thing. Instead of having it float and just be like I'm dabbling, I wanted to have be a little bit more purposeful and have more intention around uh, Wednesday. Otherwise, I just get pulled into social media and kind of going online. And then my day, all of a sudden, I have to go pick up my kid from school and I haven't done my homework. Or So I thought, no, I'm going to dedicate the day. That'll be my big, productive, creative day where I just listen to podcasts and make. And so I'm two Wednesdays down and that has been, it's served me well, but it's carving out that time giving myself permission that I can do that. I love that. Trust me. I aspire to do that in my, in my name at journal, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. I have one of them is have days dedicated to, you know, particular tasks. (laughs) Just baby steps. We just watched one about Bob baby steps. It just takes baby steps. Sandra. I'm sailing. Um, you can just one day or half a day, right? I think we're doing I, that with this podcast. Like Mondays is like our podcast. Yeah. Till noon, I'm kind of working on I'm things having it. to do with it. See, you're already doing it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You're sailing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to share this phrase because um, it relates to sobriety and it also relates to creating. Um, I'm not a fan of this phrase at all, but I can see how it serves um, both sobriety and creativity. Fake it till you make it. Oh, right. And you hear that in the rooms, or I did, and I did not want anything to do with that phrase because I felt like I had been faking it for decades. Yeah, you'd already wasted a couple of days on faking it. Yeah. Yeah. Decades. I don't. Not days. (laughs) Days and decades. (laughs) Potato, potato. But yes, they, I already, I felt like my life was fake before. I mean, pockets of realness for sure, but just I felt since I owned a a wine bar and a retail store, like I had to be nice to everyone, whether I wanted to be or not. That felt fake to me. My husband's like, that's just retail, Tammy. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sit with me. Like I never, it never felt right. And to get in a good mood or to be that life of the party, I just had to start drinking earlier in the day and earlier and earlier as the years went on. So for me, when I hear fake it till you make it in the rooms, I was like, no, I just, I need to be real. I need to be honest. I don't want to fake anything anymore. But when it comes to making and creativity, that I kind of, it resonates more with me. I'm like, oh, right. Mm -hmm. Just keep making this fake deepen corn I'm going to make. And eventually I'll find my style and maybe, who knows, maybe I'll start making abstract paintings of Valley Ford where I live. Who knows? But if I don't start, and I don't think that's faking it maybe, but just it's giving myself permission to say I can do the thing that makes me uncomfortable or that doesn't, that's not my specialty yet. You got to kind of fake that a little bit. And Austin Kleon talks about that in the book, Steal Like an Artist. That's one of his chapters is fake it till you make it. Yeah, you've got to put in the hours. And again, that goes back to, you know, comparing your your beginnings to somebody else's finished product, something that they've put hours and hours and hours and hours of time in, hours of failure in, too. Yeah. Um, hours of failed attempts. And, you know, so, yeah, you can't. Um, what was that quote you sent me about, about, uh, comparing is just another form of procrastination. Oh yes, yes, yes. I have it right here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's what that reminds me of because you can, you can sit around and compare yourself, um, forever and never start. Yeah. It's Emily Thompson. I think from, um, the podcast being boss, Mm -hmm. uh, said, uh, Comparison and envy is just a different form of procrastination. Mm-hmm. That hit me right in the heart because I'm a big procrastinator. And just comparing yourself to others or being jealous or envious, like, why can't I do that? You're just mm-hmm. putting it off so that you don't right. have to try. You're putting off starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of like that. What is, you know, it's like you're stealing away all the good feelings that you would get if you would just do it. Mm-hmm. Just try, just sit down with the, whatever your medium is. I mean, I keep saying pen and paper cause that's mine, but anything, whether you want to be yes. a stylist and um, a photographer, you want to go take 
practice on your iPhone. If you think you, if whatever it is, just grab a tool and start. Yep. Um, you mentioned, uh, taking a class. That's another what, a segue or way to get yourself started to kind of push your kind of forced push into a direction is to take a class. Um, it can be like a, you know, a workshop or a weekend thing or, um, you know, I think I mentioned before that when I got, when I was about six months sober, I started taking a writing class because I always wanted, I'd always felt like a writer, but I didn't have a lot of structure around it, nor did I have any validation, you know, like I just didn't have, I had never put my writing out there for anyone to critique. So I didn't know if it was good or if I had a style even. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started taking a writing class, a very, very informal, like we sit on the floor and, you know, read our pieces to each other aloud. And actually that tackled a couple of things, you know, um, uh, you know, not only are, are we writing the piece, but then we're reading it to, <laughs> to a room full of people. Yeah. yeah. You get vulnerable right then and, and, pra oh, and practice that, right? Right. Practice talking to other people, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, it, it's been, it, it's been completely rewarding and all the permission in the world to call myself a writer. Yeah. I, I think the term workshop doesn't feel as formal as class or um, I don't even know what the other word would be. Like to take a workshop just seems informal, right? It seems mm -hmm. like, oh, we're just going to workshop this. We're just going to... We're going to try it. It's permission again. And mm -hmm. so for me, when I started taking, I started taking tons of classes around 2014 when I was still drinking. And again, I was writing in that journal every single day. And I went and took a letterpress class to learn how to typeset because um, I love letterpress so much. And what I learned in that process is that I am never going to typeset again um, on mm -hmm. with using little tiny letters because right. that, that process didn't speak to me. I right. went and it took... rules out the what you don't like. Yeah, <laughs> I like the finished product. I do not enjoy the process. I took an embroidery class with an artist that I really admire named Lisa Solomon in San Francisco. And it was embroidery and it was a wonderful class. I love her work. Um, me, mm -mm, not going to embroider, no, not going to do not it. Not your medium. Not, not my medium. Name. But I took it and it felt, yeah, I gave myself permission to go. I wasn't so great at it. Uh, didn't The process didn't speak to me. And it wasn't even that I needed to be great at it. I didn't enjoy it. So that told me, move on, check that off the box. Okay, that one's not for you. You admire that artist, you like her work. So that's what I started doing. And the Makeshift Society is in San Francisco and it's like a, a place for creatives to work. You know, people that work from home that are creative, sometimes it's very um, isolating and they're alone. So you go to this clubhouse basically and, and they would also have seminars and workshops there and that's what started happening. And then I took a workshop with an artist named Jen Hewitt, who I am a big fan of, and she does a lot of block printing. And I admired her work, and she was putting them on fabrics and textiles. <laughs> and she just, that spoke to me. Finally, I had something that stuck. Oh, I can carve stamps, and I can make stationery. Mm -hmm. I can make um, linens and towels. I could do things with this that I liked the process. It didn't, it wasn't perfect. It was a little wonky because it's your hand making the stamp. And finally, like all the lights came on. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go home and do this. And I did for months and months and months. I just carved and made stationery and designs and I loved it. So I had to keep trying. I had to keep trying to see what was going to stick, what was going to mm -hmm. work for me. And so I encourage mm -hmm. people to do that just as an experiment. Take a workshop right. and, and take the, the online classes. Elimination kind of thing. And yeah. yeah, yeah. See what kind of, see what lights you up. Yeah. See what makes you want to keep going. Creative Bug is a great website for that. They, um, God, these people really should sponsor our show. They, they, um, you can take anything on there to learn how to do. And they give you like two free, free weeks of a trial to start. But that's why I went to Costa Rica on vacation with my family in March of 2014. 
and I didn't have high speed internet at home. So I couldn't take these classes at home because I live in the sticks, but I would go to Costa Rica and they had high speed internet. So (laughs) I took my notebook and my colored pencils and I took Lisa Congdon's drawing class, a couple of them. And I just drew the whole time I was there and it was fantastic. And since then I've taken a few more of her classes online, but you can take anything that you're interested in that you can think of, go on there and check it out. And it's safe. You're in your living room or where your studio or your kitchen table, wherever you are and give yourself permission to take an hour to try to learn something and see if it even speaks to you. It might not even, you might just go, Nope, that's not for me, Mm -hmm. but you won't know unless you try it. Well, you know, in that vein too, what do you think? I think like researching and learning about a particular topic too is a kind of can be a form of, uh, can be a creative act as well. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, specifically, um, I'm thinking of, you know, when I first started, um, going to university and, you know, when I was 18, um, I, for a minute thought I was going to be, um, major in theology because I was super interested in religious studies. Just, I think, I guess it was from my background and I had so many unanswered questions and I really thought that, um, that theology was the way I wanted to go. And I ended up, um, a lot of the women's studies classes that I had taken and some, some of my sociology classes, all the ones that I chose all had a particular, um, sort of religious slant or like a religion exploration type slant to them. And, um, but then, you know, I, it's just like, I left that, that love and, um, and I left that with a lot of questions unanswered Mm -hmm. and, um, in sobriety, I found myself, I have found myself coming back to those things. It's like, that's when I discovered Rob Bell. I know a lot of, probably a lot of people that will listen to this podcast have probably heard of him, but, um, I love, the way that he uh, approaches religious studies and how he sort of takes apart the Bible and puts it into historical context, because that's what I was always looking for. I was like, wait, we're just plucking these metaphors that just almost feel lyrical. Like he talks about so so many of, of so many parts of the Bible are written like a poem and we're not talking about where they fit in context in, in a historical context. And I could never, I, I just, I really longed for that structure around, around, um, religious studies. So that's why I've, I've actually followed him for a long time. And, um, I rediscovered Joseph Campbell and I've fallen back down the rabbit hole of Joseph Campbell and his book, the power of myth and a lot of his um, teachings around mythology and spirituality. I just love it. Eat it up on my, you know, when I'm sitting around looking, you know, feeling the slightest bit bored, I, I pick up Joseph Campbell or something along those lines. And that inspires you creatively? does inspire me creatively but like I said I think just even doing research can mm-hmm. be a sort of a creative act you know especially if you yeah especially if it inspires you to I don't know think up you know it inspires thoughts yeah I guess it well inspires, it aligns with your cre- with your recovery sure. too sure yeah it, sure. All li- it all lines up yeah I have other ones too, but I won't. <laughs> we'll like save what? them for another day. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I think we're gonna have a whole podcast dedicated to one of your loves. I think of this topic. We'll let that yeah. be a teaser for the yeah, future. We'll save, <laughs> we'll, save, we'll save some of those rabbit well, for What I day. what I love about that, like what you just said, is that you turn me on to stuff too. So you are doing your research, and then have you listened to this or have you heard this? And a lot of our friends in recovery do that. Like, here's what I'm listening to now, or here's what I've found that works. Or oh, yeah. That's why I think us sharing the three things at the end, that was my hope that it was just like, there's little nuggets that 
we don't have to talk about a ton, but just here's what I'm digging right now. And here's what I want to share. And, um, maybe you'll glean something from it too. It'll allow you to open your mind up a little bit because nobody I've found in the rooms and outside of the rooms, like no one wants to be told what to do in recovery, but suggestions are always welcome. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of what I'm hoping when we share things on here, it's just like, you don't have to do this. We're just telling you like, maybe try it, Mm -hmm. you know, give yourself permission. Right. Right. You know, yeah, just the, yeah. Our daily actions may inspire somebody else. And that's, that's it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, flipping through the steel, like an artist by Austin Kleon. And there's just, there's so many good things in here. Like I'd highly recommend this book, but um, it made me think of something fun that happened last week that I'm going to share. So he has a little section here called write fan letters. And he talked about when he was younger, how he used to write a lot of fan letters. And sometimes he'd have the good fortune of hearing back from someone. And, if you truly love somebody's work, he's saying, basically, you need to let them know. Like they're putting I it out agree. there into the world. And so a couple weeks ago, I did just that. I um, have my girl crush, Tracy at Shutterbean that I think I've mentioned before on here. And she loves some snail mail and she likes a lot of things that I like. And I like how she photographs her life and shares and the pretty things that she finds, you know, light. She's a big fan of light and, um, photographing light. And so I wrote her a little postcard and I got a letter back from her in the mail last week with a, it was a photocopy of a really pretty phrase. She has really beautiful handwriting, but on the back, she wrote a little note and it was so nice because what I wrote her was just saying, I really like what you're doing. I like how you, you know, the beauty that you bring to my day when I look at your feed and I appreciate all the time and energy that you put into it. And so now I'm looking back at this, like he was like, yeah, maybe, maybe your hero will someday see your work and maybe they'll like what you did. Like Lisa Congdon, if she's going to comment on something, I'm going to die. I'm going to be like, (laughs) oh yes. Um, but that's not why I do it. But just that kind of, um, just to reciprocate to somebody, if you appreciate someone's work, you should tell them, Mm -hmm. you know, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because who doesn't want to hear nice things? We've heard nice things when our podcast went up and we were like, oh, people are so nice. I know. It kind of makes you feel good. Yeah. It's a little byproduct of of doing the work that you do. It's not why I'm doing it, but it sure is sweet. Yep. Like a little bonus. So, yeah. So if you feel like you're not creative, I hope that there are some things in that we've just talked about in the last hour that inspire you to just start yeah right yeah i hope so and then share it with us yeah tell us yeah let us know what you're doing please please i've always i've already heard little nuggets um from from friends on the internets talking about things that they had put aside um, that they wanted to pick back up and yeah. I'm excited to hear about, about everyone's beginnings. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to have a couple of gals coming up on my, um, blog that I'm interviewing that are talking about their creative, uh, roads. So, um, we can talk about that in future episodes to the series that I do, but just, I love saying I stopped drinking and I found this, mm-hmm. I removed yeah. this from my life and I, made more space so that I could do this. You know, I just, I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to wrap this up with our three favorite things? I think that's a good stopping point. Let's talk about our three favorite things from the past week that are either recovery or creativity tools that we have used to survive the week. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, well, one that I want to share, um, I've already shared enough about Austin Cleon. So he's not on my three things, but I've said enough about him and can't, I, he's fantastic. But there's another book that I wanted to share um, that I sent you a copy of and that I'm not quite done reading, but I listened to her enough to know that um, I'm, uh, she aligns with um, how I think about it too. It's by Danielle Krissa, 
who is the Jealous Curator, who is a podcast that I recommended before. And she wrote a book called Your Inner Critic is a Big Jerk and Other Truths About Being Creative. It's another small, not huge book, but it has um, about our self-talk and about you know why we tell ourselves that we can't make art or that we're not good at it or it's not good enough. Talks about that inner critic and shutting it down. And I think it's an awesome, awesome read and a great concept that we need to start um, addressing and talking about more too, because that inner critic can take a hike. And that inner critic is with everyone. In my painting class, every single person, we're talking negative talk at our paintings through the whole class. I hear everyone doing it. I'm like, why are we doing that? <laughs> that reminds me, I have to, Go ahead. <laughs> have to add to that. In my, in my writing class, everyone starts before they read their piece, they mm-hmm. start with some self-deprecating comments. Yeah. <laughs> So much Same. to the point where we, <laughs> where we laugh, we all laugh about it. And if someone doesn't start with it, we're like, "Come on now, where's your?" <laughs> it's the disclaimer. Self, where's your self-deprecation? You know, like <laughs> oh, I just cobbled this together. It's not really, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's more like a journal entry, but <laughs> it's a disclaimer before you're judged. Is kind of how I feel. What is happening in the critiques at school? Because yeah. the teacher will say, do you have something to say about the piece before we talk about it? And then that's when that part comes in. What well, if somebody I, just said, like, I think this is the best thing I've ever painted. <laughs> I really don't know if I can paint anything better than this. I'm going to say that at the next there critique. Go. I'm going to do that on my do landscape. social experiment. I'm going to own it. <laughs> I think it's phenomenal. I don't know what you guys think, but this is like I knocked it out of the park. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do it, Sandra. I'll report back. <laughs> They probably won't know what to say. They'll be like, what? Like a record scratching? <laughs> what just happened here? Because every single person does it. They, they say the negative thing. Across the board. <laughs> it's because you're doing it before someone else does it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry. This is getting long for our three things. Yes. Okay. okay. I understand. Okay. What's, okay. what's one of your favorite things? My second thing in the our toolbox, and it kind of tacks on to the end of our creativity, getting started conversation, is um, when you mentioned about, you know, like, giving giving people recognition or compliments or whatever. So I was finding this week when I was when I was kind of throwing myself into a pity party. um, I was taking some joy and discovering some um, some, some some things that other people are doing in the recovery world via Instagram. And I'm just going to mention like three people really quickly and okay. I'll link their Instagram accounts into the show notes. But, um, there's an account called Soberia and she started a recovery coaching, um, uh, website, services website and blog to go with it that looked really cool um another person i follow called the sober hipster is doing something cool that she hasn't completely announced yet but she's giving um she's dropping little clues it's gonna be i don't know it looks like something fun like some kind of subscription box or something yeah and um and then there's another um there's an, another couple of lovely girls that have a company called Eka Recovery, and they're doing a recovery subscription box too. And I'm actually going to be working with them, I think, and donating um, some items to put in that box. And they're doing some really cool stuff too. So, How do you spell Eka? E K K E, and I could it could be Eka. Okay. Eka. E-K-K-E. Okay. or Eka. I've never actually heard anybody say it, but okay. um, E-K-K-A. E-K-K-A. Those are good ones. Yeah, yeah. So that's my first one. Nice. Um, okay, so my second one is the Quit That app that I have on my phone. Yeah. And so it's a free app, and I use it to keep track of my uh, days since I quit drinking. And... Last week I hit day 800 and I happened to check it for, I haven't checked it in a while. So when I hit day 800, I was really excited and happy about that. It keeps track of um, other stats if you want. And so I I saw how much I saved in money, monetary wise. 
Oh my gosh. So I've saved in 800 days, I've saved about $16,000, which wow, both astonishes and disgusts me all at the same time. And I'm really proud of the fact. And that's when I allow myself to do self-care is when I look at that number and I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go buy myself Justified. a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go buy a new book. Uh, so that, that app also keeps track of other things. If you're quitting cigarettes, um, I also keep it for coffee. I quit coffee. It's telling me right now, 133 days ago. So it's a great app. It's free. If you like that kind of thing, sometimes people don't want to count cause it just seems like a sentence, you know, like you're like, uh, I'm 42 days and, mm-hmm. but for me, once you started racking up those days, it felt like every time I looked at it, I just got more excited and, and pride. proud. So, yeah. so it's a free yeah. app and it's called quit that. Like That's that. it. That's it for me I on like that, that one. That. Okay, so my second one is I did some thrifting therapy this uh, weekend. Oh, good. And I hope that we have a whole entire podcast dedicated to thrift shopping. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I love to thrift shop, and I've loved it since I was a teenager. And um, I can really get lost and spend some time at the thrift store. <laughs> and um, and I found a Poochie scarf for $2. I know. It's, it's is real, it at too. the place that you took me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that mm-hmm. place is a good savers. place. Yeah. My mom has yeah. savers in Arizona, and that is a good that is a good place. Uh, it's wondrous. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And um, yeah, so thrifting, thrift therapy. That was my. That was a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, mine's not as exciting as that. You got me all excited with the thrifting talk. Uh, but my last one is. Uh, oh, a second one. Wait. Okay, your last one. I'm Go last, ahead. yeah. Go so ahead. my last one is going to be, I don't know if you know of this company called Chatbooks, but it is a little company, I believe they're out of Utah, and they have these little tiny books that you can, what I use them for, it's like a little um, scrapbook, basically. I, you would think with, with what I like to do in drawing and journals that I would be a scrapbooker, but I absolutely do not like scrapbooking at all. I want nothing to do with it. I have nothing against anybody that scrapbooks. It just doesn't speak to me. It's again about process. I'm not a fan. So this is my version of scrapbooking and it is this little tiny book. It takes my Instagram feed and it turns it into a little paperback six by six book. It oh, numbers cool. the volumes. It automatically does it for you? It does it. You sign up for their subscription for your Instagram series and when I got in on it, it was $6 a book. And so every 60 photos, it creates a book for you. Hmm. And you have the option to edit the book, which I hardly ever do because I don't, I'm not techie and I don't really want to go in and edit it. I just let them send it to me however it, however it comes. And um, sorry about that. And so they, they send the books and they're 60 pages. And so I'm super intentional with the way I write my Instagram posts. <laughs> People looking at them probably like you are. But I write what I want to remember. I write details. Sometimes they're long. And then it gets mailed to me automatically. It's like a little gift that you give yourself. It comes in the mail and it has a beautiful cover and it has all of my Instagram feeds. So I haven't since I started using Instagram, which is like over 3,000 photos. Mm-hmm. So... That's a lot, but they're like my, um, they're like my scrapbooks for family stuff and creative stuff. And I'm a big fan. That's so cool. I think I've seen you take an Instagram picture of your chat book. Yeah. Photos. It looks really adorable. It looks easy. I like that. Yeah. You can do them where you put all the photos together yourself. Mm. And make an album, like if you want to make one for your mom or something. I've never done one for my mom because I'm not that organized. But mm-hmm. um, And she would be totally bored with my Instagram feed. Um, other mm-hmm. than if, you know, my son was in it, she would be like, send me a whole book with him. Um, but you can do that. I'm just not, that's not what I use it for. You can curate it yourself. Uh, or, yeah. or it'll just swipe the picture. Yeah. As they in chronological order. Yeah. And you can delete anything you don't want. You can take out your, your titles from your Instagram feed. If you just want your photos and you don't want the words, it, but mm. it keeps the date of everything. So it's all in kind of a chronological order. Got it. That's cool. So that's my little creative thing that also I keep for, you know, my gratitude lists are there. When I've had a sobriety milestone, it's in there. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll stop talking about it. I love it. Love What's your it. third thing? 
Okay, my third thing, third and final thing, I we I already mentioned Rob Bell and um, gosh, his last a couple of his latest podcasts and um, all, as well. Okay, so on Sunday he did a sermon, and I think he did it last Easter, maybe even the Easter before that, but he does it on Facebook, Facebook Live, but it's still up on his Facebook page, but he does a sermon from, like, his kitchen, and um, they're really great, and uh, on Easter, he did it on Easter, and um, it was a a resurrection sermon, so he didn't call it an Easter sermon, so it wasn't like the typical sermon that you would have heard if you'd have gone to church on Easter, maybe not, um, but it was a resurrection sermon, and it was just, gosh, it was just beautiful. It was so right on. I mean, it was basically about in letting something die something else can be reborn so Mm. you know you can you can write a new story um the story continues uh that kind of thing and it's it was so good you can go go to his facebook page and go back and listen to it because it's just archived there on his page um also his latest uh it was episode 146 and then one dropped yesterday, number 148, and I've only listened to half of it, but it's another series that he's doing. He often does these short series um, where he has one topic, and he'll do several podcasts over this one topic. But this is on altern- This one's called Alternative Wisdom, and um, uh, I part one I've listened to twice. It was that good, hmm. and um, it's about finding grace and nothingness like you Hmm. get just to the end of yourself um that that's where the grace lies um it's just beautiful and then part two i got released yesterday and i've only listened to half of it so i can't i can't really even comment on it except that i know it's going to be good and probably this entire uh, series is going to be good and um side note he will even talk about being in recovery every, you know, little bit here and there. He'll mention, you know, if you're in recovery or this makes sense to you if you're in recovery. Um, so it really resonates. Highly recommended. I love it. He he was one that I, again, I have this resistance to listening to things that people tell me to listen to. <laughs> Contempt. Or to to try you have the right prior to investigating it. I do, and so it's it's good for me to do the opposite of that. And so I've been seeing all week people, um, not week because um, it was just yesterday the the podcast, the Facebook Live, but from this week saying you know you got to listen to this, you got to listen to this. So I, I wrote it down and um, I was going to listen to it, and uh, he has grown on me so much, and he has such a kind way. Such a kind way. I can so hear him. smart. Yeah. So smart. And I can yeah. hear what he's saying. I can listen mm-hmm. to him. And mm-hmm. there's he has so many. So you're saying he's on episode 146. I mean, he has so many podcasts to listen to. And, oh, yeah. And last summer on the way back from Paris, I listened to him. And Pete Rollins, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, comedian. Pardon me? He's a comedian. Oh, wait. No, Pete Rollins, not Pete. Okay. No, I think he was he's, Scottish or Irish. Yeah, Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of Pete Holmes. Oh, yeah. Um, no, not Pete Holmes, but um, Pete Rollins. And it just so beautiful. So um, I was just surprised. I'm like, why do you why do you not want to listen to this guy? He has probably because I'm afraid to listen to that To I'm afraid. That's all it is. <laughs> well, it, you know what it is? I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and project this. Um, yeah, <laughs> it could have something to do with uh, your your the your trappings of your religious mm-hmm. um, past. Yeah, and That's I... what it was for me. And, but then when I finally let, when I finally listen, when I finally listened to him and I'm saying this was a, a while ago, cause he was popping up. Um, his books were popping up and I was noticing his books and I thought, Oh, here we go. Another one. And, um, but then I finally finally listened to him and I was like oh wait 
this is actually what I've been searching for Mm -hmm. since I was 10. And um, somebody to really put um, religion and especially the Bible in particular in a context, in a historical context. Mm -hmm. And um, he was really answering, well, not answering, asking the same questions that I had asked since I was 10 years old. And um, so I really, I love him so much. I love, I love his uh, podcast is amazing. His books are good too, but his podcast is just really, really outstanding. Yeah, that's a good one to recommend. I'm just looking. It was Pete Rollins on God, and it was a, mm, a three-part yes. three-part series. And I listened to that on the flight home, and I, I took notes, and it just kind of blew my mind, and mm-hmm. it made me think differently. It helped me uh, definitely with my program as I was working through the steps. It helped me become more willing and um, open. Mm-hmm. and gave me some answers and I'd have to go back and look at what I wrote but yeah being open to him and his podcast has changed the way I think about a higher power or spirituality um and my own path but we could go on we could go on forever just waxing poetic about Rob Bell and Pete <laughs> Rollins voice yes. <laughs> so <There you> go. <laughs> okay well those were good things I hope people enjoy us sharing the things that we love because I that's that's kind of um what I really dig yeah. 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 This was a good one. Good one. Well, thanks. You can have a great day. What you what you got going on now? I am going to hop back in my studio and continue working towards um, She Recovers, which that is an event coming up um, that probably a lot of our listeners will be at. And yeah. it's going to be in New York City the first weekend of May. And um, it is just a big, uh, female in recovery party and there will be booths there and I'm going to have a booth. I know I'm I'm excited excited for you. What are you going to have in the booth? What's what, what what is the booth about? (laughs) Yeah, you will make it. You will make it. What what do you, what's your booth? The booth is going to have, um, some recovery themed, uh, stitched art. It is going to have um, flowy things that you might wear to a recovery retreat, say on a beach, mm-hmm. <laughs> over your bathing suit or yoga attire, mm-hmm. um, and a few other things. Maybe some meditation pillows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. A few other little odds and ends. I'm Whatever gonna li- I, okay. I can create between now and then. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you get to work. We'll have a little, um, I'm going to leave some cards on your table if I can, some little blank watercolor cards that I'm making um, for people to write down gratitudes and or a mantra or something to take with them from the weekend so they can pop by and say hi um, Yeah, we're going to have us. a little gratitude. Yeah, a little gratitude station, mm-hmm. maybe taking some photos. We got lots of things brewing for yeah. this booth, for the six by six by six booth. <laughs> Going to fit it all in there. Going to be exploding out of there, Sandra. <laughs> Radiating all your recovery and creativity <laughs> all in one spot. I can't wait. I can't wait to see you. I know. It's going to be exciting. I know. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Have a, have okay. a great, great week. Okay. Right. You too. Bye, friend. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Vickery. Thanks for listening.